Give us fiscal austerity, but not quite yet. November the 24th, 2009. Financial crises have devastating impacts on the public finances. The impact is also most severe where the pre-crisis excesses were greatest. Among members of the group of seven leading high-income countries, this means the bubble-infected US and UK. The question both countries confront is how soon and how far to tightening. Tightening will have to be substantial, but premature action could be a devastating error. In their work on the history of financial crises, Carmen Reinhardt of the University of Maryland and Kenneth Rogoff of Harvard University note that the real stock of debt nearly doubles in crisis-hit countries. This will be true for the US and UK. It is only in small part the result of bailouts of the financial sector or of stimulus programs. According to the International Monetary Fund, in the UK, none of the 10.6 percentage point rise in the ratio of fiscal deficits to gross domestic product between 2007 and 2010 will be due to crisis-related discretionary measures. In the case of the US, 1.8 percentage points of a 6.5 percentage point deterioration will be due to such measures. Most of the change is structural. The levels of GDP and fiscal revenue will not return to their previous paths. How, though, does one assess this fiscal slippage? One way is historical. In the case of the UK, the crisis is forecast by the IMF to raise the ratio of net public debt to GDP by close to 50 percentage points between 2007 and 2014. The only comparable previous episodes are wars. The increase this time is smaller than in the wars with revolutionary and Napoleonic France or the world wars of the 20th century, but it is as large or even larger than in other 18th century wars. This then is a unique episode in British fiscal history. That is less true for the US. Again, the rise in the debt ratio is comparable to that in big wars, smaller than in the Second World War, but larger than in the Civil War and the First World War. But this is not the first time the US has had a huge increase in its debt ratio in peacetime. The first occasion was under the Republicans between 1981 and 1992. That was when they discovered supply-side economics. While the increase in the debt ratio is very large in both countries, the levels expected to be reached by 2014 are not historically exceptional, particularly for the UK, where the ratio of public sector net debt to GDP has been close to 250% twice before. For the US, debt levels do seem likely to match the previous record. Yet those past record levels did not create insuperable problems. In the 19th century, both countries grew out of their debt satisfactorily with price stability. In the second half of the 20th century, they did so again, though inflation did help. This is not really surprising. Assume that the real rate of interest is 2.5%, then the servicing costs, in real terms, of a debt burden of 100% of GDP are just 2.5% of GDP, almost a bagatelle. Assume, too, that the trend rate of economic growth equals the real interest rate, 
a not unreasonable assumption, then the requirement for debt stability is a balanced primary budget, that is, before interest payments. Again, this is hardly crippling. So what is the problem? It is that people may lose confidence that the governments will ultimately bring their deficits under control. There are at least two good reasons for such doubt. First, wars have a natural ending, while deficits in peacetime do not. Second, cutting deficits at the end of wars is easy, while cutting peacetime deficits is hard. Every pound or dollar comes with a lobby group attached. Merely promising to cut deficits lacks plausibility. Aggravating this is the scale of the needed adjustments. The IMF argues that in 2010, the structural primary fiscal deficit of the US will be 3.7% of GDP and that of the UK 7.8%. The latter is higher than that of any other member of the G7 with Japan closest on 6.9%. The IMF also assumes that it will be necessary to reduce debt ratios to 60% of GDP again by 2030 to create room needed to respond to new shocks. It concludes that the necessary US fiscal tightening will be 8.8% of GDP, while that of the UK will be a massive 12.8%. Other advanced countries have made such changes in the past, notably Ireland in the 1980s and Denmark, Finland and Sweden in the 1990s. But it would be a huge challenge unless one could rely on fast export-led growth. These numbers certainly make nonsense of claims by Gordon Brown, the UK Prime Minister, to have entrenched stability. That is hardly what lies ahead for the UK. Alas, the needed credibility cannot be taken for granted. And that is what the credit default swaps markets are beginning to show. Spreads on UK government bonds have drifted up again to 70 basis points. I suspect that the reason the ratings agencies have not yet downgraded the UK may be that if they did so, they would in logic have to downgrade the US too which agency head would then wish to appear before Congress. Yet even if the fiscal rope is not infinitely long, slashing deficits now would be wrong. It is extremely likely that this would tip economies back into recessions, as happened in Japan in the 1990s. Furthermore, the results would also probably include a need to expand quantitative and credit easing by the central banks. Yet those policies too risk undermining credibility, particularly of currencies, since many investors believe, quite wrongly, that these are harbingers of an inflationary upsurge. So what should be done? I agree fully with the remark by Dominique Strauss-Kahn, Managing Director of the IMF in London this week, that, I quote, it is still too early for a general exit, end of quote, from accommodative policies. That applies even to the UK and US. What is needed instead are credible fiscal institutions and a roadmap for tightening that will be implemented automatically as and when, but also only as and when, the private sector spending recovers. Among the things that should be done right now is to put prospective entitlement spending on public sector pensions, for example, on a sustainable path. It is, in short, about putting in place a credible long-term tightening that responds to the recovery automatically. Yet we cannot escape from an inconvenient truth. 
neither the UK nor the US is quite as wealthy as its people once believed. There are losses to be shared, much of which will have to fall on public spending, taxation or both. If it becomes evident if it becomes evident that neither of these countries is willing or able to rise to the challenge, fiscal crises would seem inevitable. It would only be a question of when.